You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. And floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Call us right now with your home improvement project. We want to hear about your do-it-yourself dilemma. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit. Any advice is worth more than the cost of the call. <laughs> which kind of sets a low standard for ourselves, but why not? You know? Eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. Hey, coming up this hour. We've got a new survey out. It shows homeowners are more savvy than ever when it comes to designing their remodel. Find out why lifestyles turned out to be the most important factor in determining the final outcome of a room's new design. And also ahead this hour, you know the number one topic of questioning that we get from all of you here at the Money Pit is flooring. So we are going to share step-by-step information on how to refinish a wood floor, which really is a great project that can totally transform a room. In fact, Tom Silva from This Old House will be by with a few ideas from his decades of experience as the show's general contractor. Plus, apartment dwellers, this one is for you. We're going to have tips on how you can make easy changes to your kitchen that you can actually take with you when you leave. And if installing a beautiful new front door is on your to-do list, this hour we are giving away a $50 Lowe's gift certificate courtesy of our friends over at Thermatru Doors, which you can then use towards the purchase of an energy-efficient fiberglass door in their benchmark line, and that's available exclusively at Lowe's. So give us a call right now with your home improvement project, your do-it-yourself dilemma. The number is one eight 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 money pit 888-666-3974. Let's get right to those phones. Leslie, who's first? Larry in Colorado, you've got the money, but how can we help you today? Yes, um, I have a built-in oven, a KitchenAid, that um, I live at 9,000-foot altitude up in Divide, Colorado, and we have a problem. Every time we use the um, automatic cleaning, uh, it blows a fuse. Uh, they've, re- they've replaced a fuse several times. They've replaced the oven once, and they've kind of finally decided that there's no help for us. Now, is the fuse inside the oven, is it, or is it inside the breaker panel? It's the, in the oven. It's the oven. It's the fuse in the oven. Okay, so keep in mind that fuses are doing their job, and the job of the fuse is to stop the wiring from overheating and catching fire. And that's the same whether it's the appliance fuse or it's the fuse in your circuit breaker panel. If, in fact, it's continually blowing, then I suspect that there's a problem with the appliance itself and the fuse is doing what you want it to do, which is stopping the oven from catching on fire. You know, we've often reported that if your oven's going to break down, it's going to be associated with the running of the self-cleaning cycle because it does put the oven through an incredible amount of stress. In fact, just this weekend, I heard of yet another story, real-life story, about an oven that broke during the self-cleaning cycle right uh, before a big dinner party 
party was was oh, planned. No. So I suspect that the problem is with the appliance, and if you've not been able to find the solution or repair it, uh, then it might just might be time to replace it. I will give you one idea. There is a, a website called repairclinic.com run by a bunch of smart people that uh, do nothing but fix appliances. You might want to spend a little time on there and see if they ever discovered this issue and have a solution for it. But short of uh, doing a little bit of repair that way, I'd probably just replace it. All righty. I have one quick question. Someone, uh, actually one of the repair, I mean the uh, text that I was talking to who said he didn't think it could be repaired, suggested um, a, a kind of oven gel. Uh, you guys have any thoughts about that? No. Is he just t- talking about an alternative to self-cleaning? Yes. Well, there's lots of products out there. Um, I don't have a particular one uh, that's a favorite, but by all means, if you're not going to run the cycle, you certainly could use an over-the-counter oven cleaning product. I mean, that's the way so many of us cleaned ovens for years and years and years before that technology was ever in existence. Great. I appreciate it. All right. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Janet in Maryland is on the line with an insulation question. Tell us what's going on. Um, yes, my house was built in the 50s. It's stucco with cinder block walls. Mm-hmm. And when I we had uh, the sheetrock replaced, um, there really was no insulation. So I don't know if it can be blown in. I was told nothing could be done. There's some little, it's a one-and-a-half-story bungalow. There's some loose insulation in the eaves and the attic. And I really don't see anything on the exterior walls. Okay, so... With a house, you want to make sure that you insulate in the right order. And the order would be the attic first. Now, you mentioned that it does have some insulation. Put the hat on your head. Yeah, that's right. Put the hat on the head. Okay. You want to make sure. You said it has some insulation. How many inches of insulation do you think you have in the attic right now, Janet? Probably like two or three. It doesn't oh look God, like no. a whole lot. That's it's, nothing. It's real loose. Okay. Do you know how much you're gonna, you really need? You need no. 19 to 22 inches mm. of insulation. So you should forget totally about these walls. Your problem is overhead. You need to get as much insulation in that attic as you possibly can. You know, a foot and a half is what we're looking for and up. And when you do that, you're going to see an amazing reduction in your energy bills. Amazing. Because you have next to nothing right now. You're like sleeping outside with a sheet on. You, know, oh, okay. you need okay. heavy blankets, honey, to make this work Do for I you. Do I buy the roll, the pink roll? Yes, absolutely. The pink roll, the Owens Corning. You could buy the, the, the rolls or buy the loose bats. Uh, and you want to put, first you fill in between the floor joists. And you want to get unfaced. Yep, unfaced insulation. You fill in between the floor joists, and you put a second layer on top of that perpendicular to the floor joists. Okay, okay. Until you build up enough insulation. And you're going to find an amazing change in how warm and comfy your house gets as a result of that. Okay. Great. Great. All right, Janet. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. This is a very typical question that we get on the show, Leslie. Um, Folks don't know where to put those energy dollars first. And you've got, like in her case, almost zero insulation in the attic. Mm -hmm. You should just forget about the outside walls. That's not your problem. I mean, your problem is the attic. Right. You know, it really is. You you put a hat on your head, it keeps the warmth in your body. So it's the same for your home. You really need to think about working from the top down. And I think people forget that over time, there's so much settling that you do either need to replace or add so that you meet that R value. Absolutely. So hopefully we got uh, Janet straightened out. 
You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Now, you can call in your home repair, home improvement, home decor, design, whatever you are working on. We can help you get that project done 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We can give you a hand. So give us a call at 1-888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, savvy homeowners are making their own personal lifestyle the number one reason for a remodel that suits them. Find out what lifestyle considerations you need to make when planning your new room next. On the Money Pit Radio Show. The Money Pit is brought to you by Thermatrue Doors, the nation's leading manufacturer of fiberglass entry and patio door systems. Thermatrue Doors are Energy Star qualified and provide four times the insulation of a wood door. To learn more, visit thermatrue.com. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And it's never too late to save energy dollars by upgrading with more energy-efficient products. And one option that can do just that is to replace your wood entry door with fiberglass. You know, fiberglass doors look like wood, but they insulate up to five times better. And to help you along with that project, we're giving away a $50 gift card from Lowe's this hour, courtesy of Thermatru, that you can use to invest in a new benchmark door by Thermatru, which is sold exclusively at Lowe's and comes in a wide range of very attractive styles to personalize your home while increasing that important curb appeal. You can visit Thermatrue.com for more information or call us right now at one eight 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 Money Pit for your chance to win. We will toss all names of our callers this hour into the Money Pit hard hat. And if we choose yours, we will be sending that $50 gift card straight out to you. That's right. Pick up the phone and give us a call. We would love to give you a hand with what you are working on. And in fact, if you've got a remodel or you're just simply redecorating, well, long gone are the days of homeowners putting in new finishes and appliances in their home and then calling it a successful remodel. Done deal. Now, a new consumer poll from the National Association of the Remodeling Industry, or NARI as we like to call them, finds that today's homeowners are more design savvy than ever and they remodel their homes to suit their needs. Now, more and more homeowners want their design to cater perfectly to their lifestyle. For example, a kitchen that can also serve as a family room. I mean, it's where you all end up anyway. And it's important to think through all of those possibilities. In fact, many remodelers today now actually put their clients through special exercises to get them to think about how they actually use those rooms in their home. Now, the economy may also have weighed in on the survey findings as Americans are spending money in a much more practical way. So if you are considering a remodel, it's worthwhile to take a week or so to observe and really think about your family's living patterns. You want to think about the paths that you take, the counters where people set stuff down, which in my house is every horizontal surface. (laughs) Because frankly, all that stuff will play into your remodeling design decisions. 888-666-3974. If you're planning a remodel or any other home improvement in your home, give us a call right now because we would love to help you get started. The number again is 1-888-MONEYPIT. Steven in Texas, you've got the money, but how can we help you today? We are buying an Earthship. Um, I don't know if you all know what that is, but it's going to be in Taos, New Mexico. And um, we wanted to build a secure concrete dome that would uh, act as our living room and dining room area. Um, I couldn't think of a, a way to pour concrete in a dome shape, and uh, we wanted to have it 
to be a, a green roof, um, so it needs to be load-bearing as well. Interesting question. If, if you um, ever saw Lord of the Rings, you know, the, the Hobbit homes, they were shaped like hills. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's kind of the look we're going for. So uh, I wasn't sure of a, a good way to have a load-bearing concrete dome, a, a good way to build that. We looked in the ICF blocks, but we couldn't find any that were curved. Yeah, I don't think ICF is the way to go. ICF, of course, stands for Insulated Concrete Form, and they're an excellent product for exterior walls, but I don't think they're designed to curve. I mean, typically, you build a form that's in the shape of that dome first. Then, of course, you have to have reinforcing rod uh, laced throughout that form, and then the concrete is poured right around that, usually uh, in layers. Stephen, can I ask why are you uh, so interested in the dome shape? Um, it's going to be a bed and breakfast uh, when it's all said and done, and um, we just want it to be really eye-catching from the outside. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the well, you know, there's... The area, really beautiful and have really geometrical shapes, and mm-hmm. we thought it'd be really pretty. Yeah, it certainly will be. It's just going to be a bit of a challenge, and you better find a darn good mason to work with on this, because it's going to be a high skill and, and high expense uh, part of, of the project. But it sounds very exciting. We'd love to see it when it's all done. All right. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're very welcome, Stephen. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. in South Carolina is having a caulking issue in the bathtub. What's going on? We have had to re-caulk the bathtub uh, in the last six months probably two or three times. Every wow. time we do it, we scrape the old caulking off, we re-caulk it, and then let it dry for a couple of days. And then after like a couple of weeks, it starts to crumble and crack, and now it's it just like disintegrate. First of all, what kind of caulk are you using? Um, I believe it's a latex, and I don't know if that's the problem. Okay, well, there's a couple of things. First of all, let, let me give you the step-by-step way to caulk a bathtub and have it stick. You have to remove the old caulk, and if you have a lot of old caulk, I would use a product called a caulk softener. It's kind of like a paint stripper, but it's for caulk, and it makes it uh, soft and pliable so you can really get rid of all the old stuff and do a really good job cleaning it out. Then I would take a um, bleach and water solution, spray down that joint, clean it really well, and make sure we're stripping any mold away that's in there. After you get it totally ready to go, then fill your bathtub up with ca- with water. You want to fill it up to the top with the stopper on so it's weighted down. This sort of pulls the tub down a bit by putting that weight on it. Then you can caulk it. I would use an acrylic latex with microband in it, which is a uh, mold inhibitor. DAP makes it. Uh, a kitchen and bath caulk, or use a silicone caulk, and then, of course, let it dry really well, and then let the water out of the tub. And when you do that, the tub kind of comes back, and when you get in it to take a bath or a shower, you push it down again. It doesn't have the same stress on the caulk joint, and it tends to stay in a lot longer that way. So those are the steps that'll get it in there and hopefully have it stay for a while. Oh, uh, how long should I let it dry? Oh, just a day. That's all. Okay. 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 Wonderful. Great. That's a good idea. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Good luck with that project, Laura. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Bonnie in Texas is dealing with a kind of finicky garage door opener. What's going on? Well, it sounds crazy, but in the mornings when it's real cold, I can open it from the inside. Uh, the garage door will open and close, but outside, when in my car, the remote, when I put the remote up there, when it's real cold, it won't open. So when the, when the remote is inside the house, it works, but when it's outside the house, it no, doesn't? No, no, darling. When, I, when the, the little button out in the garage that's right. on the wall will okay. open it no matter what. But re, my remote, 
inside my car will not open and close it when it's real cold. Okay, is this a battery-powered remote in your car? Yes, it is. Well, have you changed the batteries? Yes, we have. Yeah, and the fact that it works from the button is not really relevant because that's a hardwire connection. Your problem Uh is with the remote itself. So if the remote is not working well in cold weather, the remote may need to be replaced. If you've replaced the batteries and it's still happening, I think the next choice is to replace the remote. You could probably get another one from the same manufacturer for not a lot of money. I certainly will. All right, Bonnie, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Reston, Illinois has a question about flooring. How can we help you with the project? Yeah, um, we have a about a 20 by 30 foot uh, family room over a crawl space. And we are thinking about putting down a floating hardwood floor, uh, snap together type, and we're we're wanting to heat the floor with an in-floor heating system, like okay. water tubing or something like that. But we're mm-hmm. wondering what the most efficient way is, what the best way is to go about doing that. Well, you have a couple of options. You can use electric radiant, which you know all of these are available in sort of the um, you know modular systems where you can connect different panels together and and run them. Um, so you don't necessarily need professional installation on everything. But the radiant heat that's electric, it's probably the more expensive one to run, but the least expensive to buy. If you want to do something that was with, say, a hot water system, then you could do that. With a hot water system, you can either install the hydronic pipes underneath the floor or above the floor, sort of in channels, where it's like plywood that's sort of carved out to take the pecs, which is cross-linked polyethylene piping. And then you put the hardwood floor on top of that. With that, though, you're going to have to create a zone and add it to your heating system, assuming that you have a hot water system to begin with. Do you have uh, hot water heat now? We do have. um, No, we don't. We don't. I think electric is going to be your only option. You know, there's a good website, Russ. It's called newheat.com, and it's N-U-H-E-A-T.com. And it's a great site because there's two different ways that you can customize your own radiant heat mats for the floor. There's a standard set, which are basically for, you know, square and rectangle rooms. And then if you've got... Uh, you know, a tricky space, there's a build-your-own mat system for curved walls, you know, whatever unusual circumstances you might have in the space. But I like the site because it snaps together very easily. There's an instructional video so that, you know, it's completely foolproof when you're putting it together. And we all know radiant heat is just awesome. It will help lower your heating bills because you're, you know, subsidizing the heat that's in the room. Plus, your feet will be so happy. So, you know, it's a good project to tackle. Great. Yeah, we do want to do the project ourselves, so mm-hmm. I will count that site. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Steve, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? Um, I'm having a water problem in my crawl space. I live okay. in the middle of town, and during the raining season, um, I got standing water in my crawl space. I've been looking up on what to do about it, and I'm wondering which would be best: uh, French drain system around the perimeter, or just a basic sump pump. Uh, two things. First of all, you got to get that water out of that crawl space. So for that, you simply want to put a, a pump down there. Um, kind of hard to dig a sump pump when you got water there, mm-hmm. but uh, you're going to need to get a pump down there one way or the other, Steve, and, and pump that water out. Open up some vents in the sides so that you get some airflow in there. Maybe hook up some fans so you can dry that space out. Protecting this uh, in the long run, though, is going to require some improvements to the drainage conditions around the outside of the house. You need to have the gutters extended so that they get away from those crawl space walls and have uh, the soil slope away from the walls. Whenever you get uh, rain uh, then that causes the crawl space to, to flood, uh, in that situation, it's a drainage problem. It's not a rising water table. 
So improving the drainage conditions will solve it in the in the you know for the next time. Very good, thank you. You're welcome, Steve. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, still to come, we are going to get tips to help you with your wood flooring refinishing projects when we talk with Tom Silva from This Old House next. On the Money Pit Radio Show, pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home by calling 888-MONEY-PIT. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And you can also find the Money Pit on Facebook and on Twitter. Plus, we now have an iPhone app. Yes, we are everywhere. Kind of like a bad (laughs) virus. 888-666-3974. Except this one gets your projects done. Yeah, and this is one you don't mind catching. That's right. So pick up the phone and call us right now, and we will help you get started. Sandy in North Carolina needs some help removing wallpaper. How far into the process are you, Sandy? Um, well, I've already did one room, but um, my biggest issue was um, <clears throat> that there was a lot of the glue residue left on the walls. Mm, yeah. Have you tried fabric softener and water? I know it sounds weird, but it's an excellent wallpaper paste remover. Are you? No, I haven't tried that. Uh, it's worth a shot. I mean, otherwise, it, if it's not too, too much and you're just dealing with like a little bit of texture and residue, you could lightly sand that away, too. Yeah, and you know, if you use the fabric softener on your walls, it smells lemony fresh. <laughs> and that won't sink into the sheetrock and stuff. That's well, I'm not the... saying like no, super don't saturate it. it. Don't saturate it. But you can spray it and on. Some people do a diluted solution of it and get more of the paste off. And then a light sanding with a very fine sandpaper, like 200, 220 grit. And then you want to prime the wall with a good quality oil-based primer, and then you can paint it. And if you follow those steps, it's not as smooth as, you know, new drywall, but it'll be acceptable. It'll get there. And then don't pick a paint that has any sort of a sheen if you don't get it, you know, super smooth. Because if you pick something, you know, I I wouldn't even go eggshell. You know, I would go like flat. Yeah, just good good quality flat. Otherwise, any little bump. You'll see everything. In the wall, when the light hits it, it'll show. Right. So it'll show the imperfections more with yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. If you use something that's got a shine a shine to it, it'll show the imperfections. Okay. Okay. Sounds great. All right. Well, good luck with that project, Danny. Hey, thanks. I appreciate your help. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Well, wood floors are a great selling point in any home, but if yours aren't looking so hot, bringing them back to their original glory can be a great do-it-yourself project. That's right. And aside from the hassle factor of having to empty the entire room to do this project, refinishing a wood floor is not as hard as it might sound. Here with some tips on how to do just that and do it the right way is this old house general contractor, Tom Silva. Welcome, Tommy. Thank you. It's nice to be here. So, Tom, the idea of refinishing a floor really scares people, but it's not that hard to do, is it? And it really all begins with the prep, correct? Right. The prepping is the first step. Removing everything from the room that's going to collect dust, that's the furniture and paintings and all that kind of stuff. You want to cover the doorways with plastic and tape, and you want to seal up all your registers. Now, I guess that's especially important with a return duct, huh? 
Absolutely, because that return air will get sucked in and blow dust all over the house. So once we've got it all sealed off, then it's time for the sanding step. And that really is the most critical part of this process. But there's some different equipment that's easier for DIYers, isn't there? Right. There's floor sanders that will really sand the floor real fast, but you've got to know what you're doing. They'll do some major damage. If that's you cool. don't, that's, that's right. right. Yeah, that's called a drum sander. That'll make your floor look like the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the best type that I recommend for a homeowner is the oscillating type. There's four little round heads underneath the sander, and you can sand away. You can uh, take your time. It gets right up close to the edges, and it does a real nice job. So, Tommy, do you have any tricks of the trade, you know, especially if this is going to be my first time renting this type of sander to work on the floor? Yeah. Number one, take your time. Uh, Start in the corner. Start with a real coarse paper. You want to keep the sander moving. All right, you don't want to go and stop and have a cup of coffee with the sander moving. Don't get distracted. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, keep a steady pace and, uh, you know, change the paper regularly. And you'll, uh, you'll actually see how the sander's doing. You'll actually see the finish coming off. Now, when you use an oscillating sander, does it have a, a sort of a vacuum attachment to it that helps draw off some of the dust that you're generating? Well, it has its own built-in vacuum system that will go into a bag, but I like to use a separate vacuum system along with it, and it really picks up the debris really nice. So what does that consist of when you say a separate vacuum system? Well, it's a longer hose, and then you have a vacuum, like a big shop vac that you can actually put outside the door. So you have like a 25-foot hose, put it outside the door, that'll suck the dust, put it in the shop vac, and then the, the other dust will just blow away, the fine dust. So you won't even get it in your house. Now, you mentioned starting with a coarse paper. Do you sort of progress through to fine, or do you just go to coarse and you're done? Yeah, depending on the age of the floor, the condition of the floor, you can start with 36, you can start with 80. You know, it really depends on how aggressive you have to be, and then gradually work your way up through the courses to end up with about 120, 150 degree. All right, so we've cleared the furniture from our room, we've sealed everything off, and we've just completed a very successful sanding job. Now it's time to apply the finish. Any tips on that project? Where do people go wrong when applying floor finishes? Well, I think you got to decide on which kind of polyurethane you want to use. There's water base and there's oil base. Now, what's your opinion on that? Because i got to tell you, I've used the latex before, and I just found that it wasn't nearly as durable as the oil finishes. Well, the, uh, the, the water base, you have to use a lot more coats. Okay. And the benefit to that is you can put a lot more coats on in one day. So right. your finish is dry, and you can usually walk on it with no problem the next day. An oil base finish is definitely more durable. You're going to have a smell in the house for a few days, and it's going to take you longer to put that finish on. It's also going to give a little bit of an amber color. The water base is going to, what the color of the floor is, is the color you're going to get before you put the finish on. And one thing I've learned on the oil base finishes, despite what it says on the can label, there's no such thing as quick dry polyurethane. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. And you don't want to rush that either. Right. Now, if you do rush and apply a second coat before that first one is really cured, it's possible it'll never dry, right? Well, it, it takes a lot longer for it to dry. It can become gummy or tacky, mm-hmm. and you can actually get some rippling in the finish also. So you've got to be careful. And then you have to do everything all over again. All over again. <laughs> and you want to sand lightly between each coat, too, to keep Using it nice the same mo- orbital sander? Or? No, you can sand with a stick, put a, like a drywall stick, mm-hmm. put some sandpaper on it, use 100 to 120 grit paper, and change the paper regularly because it will gum up a little bit. Now, when you're all done, um, it, does it, is it important to wait some period of time before you kind of reload and start really using that room heavily. I mean, does it take uh, some number of days for it to really cure and get hard? Well, I don't like to put anybody in a room at least for about 48 hours. You can walk on it. I always tell uh, people walk on it with your socks, uh, not bare feet, just socks. 
no shoes, no high heels. And because that finish is going to be soft for a while. He was looking at you, Leslie. I know. Said that. No, he was really looking at you, Tom. <laughs> hey, I wasn't looking at you, Tom. <laughs> now, what about if you've just got to make a spot repair? Maybe there's a burn or a gouge mark or a scuff. Is it possible to make a repair to such a small area? Or do you really have to go big? It's it's possible to make a repair in polyurethane, but it is always going to be a patch, and you are going to see it. If you've got a burn, uh, you can go after it with a razor blade. You can go after it with a with a sharp edge, a sharp chisel, and scrape it away. And then you can just drop a dab of polyurethane in there, and hopefully it'll level itself. And but it you know it can always look like a patch. It's very difficult to do. And Tommy, you know, the refinishing process, such a big job. One of the things that I've always done in, in my homes is instead of renting the entire sander and going that rate, if the floor is not terribly, terribly worn, how about just renting a floor buffer with a sanding screen? Is that an option? It's absolutely an option. I put a new kitchen in my house in 1985, and I still haven't refinished that floor except recently when I just did an addition and I basically screened the floor about every three years and basically laid two layers of urethane on top of that and I have a lot of traffic. Yeah, that sanding screen just takes up enough of the old finish and the dirt and the grime to give right. you a really fresh right. start. You're breaking the finish, you're not sanding the wood. Great advice. Tom Silva from TV's This Old House. Thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit. My pleasure. And for more tips just like that, visit thisoldhouse.com. And Ask This Old House is sponsored by The Home Depot. The Home Depot, more saving, more doing. Still ahead, we're going to have tips on how you can create a kitchen backsplash in your rental without losing your security deposit. We've got tips for a faux backsplash that you can even take with you when you leave after this. You live in a body pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by Skill. Want hardwood floors but are on a budget? The affordable and feature-filled Skill Flooring Saw is just what you need for your installation project. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we would love to hear from you. So pick up the phone and give us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT. Now, this hour we are giving away, of course, fantastic home improvement advice. But what would it be without an awesome prize to go hand in hand with that? We've got a really great one this hour. We've got a $50 Lowe's gift card, courtesy of our friends at Thermatrue, which is going to go to one lucky caller. And you can use that gift card towards a beautiful beautiful new Thermatrue benchmark door, which is only available at Lowe's. And remember that if you are thinking about upgrading your front entry door, go with fiberglass because it can truly cut your energy costs. And then it really just amplifies your home's curb appeal. So give us a call 888-MONEYPIT. We'd love to hear what you're working on. 888-666-3974. Well, let's talk about kitchen remodeling projects. Now, they're usually expensive, right? Totally. But there are inexpensive ways to improve the look of your kitchen and even some ways to take those improvements with you if you move. Here's one that can add a lot of appeal. You can make your very own faux tile backsplash that won't affect the walls of your kitchen, making it easy to take down when your lease is up or change when the whim strikes you, and most importantly, assures that there will be no damage so that that nasty landlord can't keep your security deposit. All you need to do is measure a piece of plywood the size of the area that you want to cover. 
It can be an area above your kitchen sink or your range. Then tile the plywood and then hang this tiled panel of plywood in your backsplash area. Now, the key is how do you connect it? Well, you can use some extra long nails with very wide nail heads and simply wrap that nail head over the top edge of the board. Or why not use screws and then work that into the design panel? Either way, just make sure it doesn't want to fall down. It's a great way to uh, create a tiled backsplash that is easily removable. Mm -hmm. And the fastening way that Tom is mentioning, it's kind of like an old-fashioned photo album, you know, when the pictures were held in place by tabs at the corners. It's the nail head is what's holding the panel in place against the wall. So when you eventually move out and you need to remove this panel... All you really have to do is pry out those nails, and then you can easily fill in the nail holes and patch with paint. And best of all, you're going to get that tiled panel that you really, truly like and want and give your kitchen that fantastic decor without doing anything to your renter's agreement. 888-666-3974. Give us a call right now with your home improvement question, your do-it-yourself dilemma. Let's get back to those phones. Leslie, who's next? Chris in Illinois needs some help with a bathroom project. What can we do for you? Well, what I'm trying to do is trying to figure out what kind of plywood and flooring, like laminated or tile flooring, I could put down because I've got two little ones, two boys, that kind of like to leave the water running. And uh, oh boy, that's what caused our problem in the first place. I see. Of flooring. Mm-hmm. Well, I will tell you that uh, if the choice is between a laminate floor and ceramic tile, um, you know, ceramic tile is certainly going to be more water-resistant, but laminate floor is reasonably water-resistant and a lot easier and less expensive to put down. But, uh, you know, if those, uh, if those cute kids of yours leave the water running, they're still going to damage the surface underneath this. So I think we're going to have to train the kids first and then decide what kind of uh, flooring product we want to use second. Uh, but I think that my, get, my, my vote would probably be for laminate floor, because of the ease of installation. You know, today you don't have to glue it down. You just lock the boards together, and they float in uh, basically on top of the old floor. Okay. And they look really nice, and you can get one with, um, you know, almost a commercial finish on it so that if your sons are running around in there with toy trucks or, you know, on roller skates, they're not going to damage up the floor. So you know my kids pretty well, then. <laughs> <laughs> I am the mother of a son as well. Chris, thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, here is just a horrible question for me to even be asking you. Are bed bugs keeping you up at night? If they are, get out of your house. What are you doing still sleeping in that bed? Well, getting rid of those bed bugs is really a difficult and sometimes a long process and might require you to sleep out in the backyard, which I think might do but we're going to share some suggestions on exactly where to start and how to be successful coming up making good homes better welcome back to the money pit home improvement radio show i'm tom kreitler and i'm leslie segretti and we would love for you to be part of team money pit so why not join the money pit community and you are going to be instantly in contact with a ton of do-it-yourselfers just like you and you can find out what everybody's working on and get expert advice from tom and myself or you can just run an idea by your home improvement peers it's all in the new and awesomely improved community section at moneypit.com and you can post 
post your questions there. And I've got one from Prakash who writes, I have a serious problem of unending bed bugs. I'm so sorry. Are there an easy homemade solution to permanently kill these bed bugs? I'm having sleepless nights and bug bites. Move. Get out. Get out. Just stay in a hotel, please. <laughs> Go to a hotel. There's not even, not only is there not a homemade solution, there's barely a professional made solution to get rid of bed bugs, Mm -mm. as evidenced by the uh, incredible um, invasion of these these guys all over the country and, in fact, all over the world. I will tell you, the one solution that I know absolutely works is heat treatments. Mm -hmm. Um, Professional pest control operators and others in this business have specialized equipment that can heat the interior of your home up to, I think it's about 130 degrees. Yeah, it's like anywhere between 130 and 140, and that seems to be the magic number over a consistent time period is just going to cause all of those bugs to just die, which is really what you want. If you want to see a website that features this equipment, go to heatupbedbugs.com. It's the website for the Quest company. And you can see these are very uh, big but portable furnaces that get rolled into the house and turned on, and then they just go to work heating up the inside of the house. Now, because it's uh, 130 to 140 degrees, it's not going to harm any of your belongings. So you don't have to empty the house out. You just have to heat everything in the house up to that temperature, and then that, of course, kills the bed bugs. So not a homemade solution, but one that clearly works. All right, next up, we've got a post from Bill who writes, I have a metal threshold that was previously connected to the cement foundation using glue to attach a strip of wood to the cement. Then the threshold was screwed into the wood. The threshold has come loose and attempts to re-glue the wood have been unsuccessful because there is a large crack in the cement. I have tried lag bolts into the cement, but the crack is way too wide to hold these bolts. I had an idea of using pre-mixed concrete crack filler, then maybe liquid nails to attach the wood in which I can then screw the metal down. Um, do you have any other suggestions? That just seems like a lot of piecemeal. It, it does. And a couple of things come to mind, Bill. First, filling the crack does seem like a good first step, but you want to make sure that you do this with the right product. You need to use a very good quality patching compound. QuickCrete makes one that is, in fact, called a concrete patching compound. You can't use regular concrete because it won't stick. It's never going to stick. Exactly. So using the concrete patching compound is the hot ticket. Secondly, have you you mentioned lag bolts. Have you tried Tapcon fasteners? I mean, Mm. these can be drilled right into the concrete. They've got great holding power in concrete or in the patching compound repaired areas. You can attach the threshold directly to the concrete, and that's way you'll get much better holding power with the Tapcons than you ever could with any adhesive. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Having that wood sort of as a filler in between that metal threshold and the concrete, you're inviting you know decay and moisture. You know, it's better to just get that wood out of the equation, wouldn't you think? Absolutely clearly yeah. the way to go so bill definitely get on that quickrete has a wonderful line of products that are perfect for repairing and repatching concrete and that's really the best place to start this is the money pit home improvement radio show thank you so much for spending this hour with us we had fun we hope that you did too and if you've got a question any time of the day or night Remember that you can always call us at one eight 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 Money Pit. If we are not on the air, we will call you back the next time we are. And also visit us online at MoneyPit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone.
credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.